0: Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. You know, as I was growing up, (laughs) this is off the subject, but as I was growing up, you know, my dad didn't know. He was old school. He didn't know how to handle crying. So if I cried, he'd smack me on the back of the head and say, straight up, boy. That sounds just like him, too. He's got a deep, raspy voice. He smoked a lot. Straighten up. So I was always raised that men don't cry. But you've just seen me up here. (laughs) I was like, Lord, why? But we do. Because it takes boldness (laughs) to step out and just obey. And I couldn't help with the glory of God that was up here. There was a a boldness it takes to step out. And that's kind of what I'm going into here, though, you know. Um, it goes against what, how I was raised in this world. Because men don't cry. But when you get in the presence, you just flow. And the Almighty just bring tears to my eyes. How wonderful and how loving He is. Boy, there's just a love of God in this place today. And I just want to start by saying, God loves you. And maybe you're saying, I know that. No, God really, really Loves you more than we can imagine. He loves you and desires to be with you, to sit with you, to talk with you, to worship with you. Just just be there with you, you know, be in your be, be among you. You know, we've been talking about getting into that intimate place and into that presence. He desires those moments with you. You might say, oh, no, maybe with you, you know, maybe with the pastors, maybe with those who, you know, But not me, but no, (laughs) especially you, especially you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to title this today, Building a Platform for God to Operate. Building a Platform for God to Operate. You know, I was looking at, uh, you look it up sometime, it's too long to read But I was looking at a prophecy that was a prophetic word that went out in 1974 in Longmont, Colorado, by Kenneth E. Hagan. Google it. It is amazing prophecy. But what I like about that prophecy was he was talking to the individual about the end times, that there will be an outpour of the Spirit and there will be a man on it says something like this. There will be a man that's on TV and they say this man is here. And then all of a sudden he's he's translated into another town and they say, no, he's here in the power of God and the move of God and the gifts will flow in these last days. We also know in the word in Acts two seventeen, he says, I will in my last days, God will pour out his spirit on us that young men will see vision. Old men will dream dreams. We've read this before. But it just inspired me. In these times, there is a press to flow. Um, I heard uh, Rick Renner say this, and I agree with it, that, you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit is not optional. It's just not there if you want it. It's there for the believer, and it's there for us to flow in. But, of course, we can't manifest the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why I've called this building a platform for God to operate. We need to be in a place, in a position, building a platform to God, for God to move through us. And, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, Kenneth e. Hagen says this, my pastor, Pastor Mark, says this. I'm sure uh, Pastor Ryan says this, that uh, if, if, if you want to you get to a place, you preach it. Whatever you preach, you get, right? Amen. So I believe the Lord is leading us here because this is for every believer. And that's what I love about the gifts of the spirit and operating in these gifts is for every believer, not for people up here, for every believer. It is for people up here, but not just here. It's for every believer. Hallelujah. But we've been talking about intimacy. We've been talking about the secret place. We've been talking about partaking in these things. So I want to start in Matthew 17. And talk about uh, the story here that we all, I'm sure, are very aware of and know. Matthew 17, and I want to I want to read from 14. We'll be back and forth in this uh, in this chapter, but for now, I'm, I'm going to start in in uh, Matthew 17:14, where the boy was healed. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy. Now, when they came down, just to just to share that, that's when him and three of the disciples came down from prayer from the mountain. Said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus said, Answered and said, "O faithless and perverse generation! First, I want to clarify something. You might be like me. Sometimes I read over this and I think he's he's rebuking the disciples again. But here he's saying to all the generation. He's talking to everyone there, including the father and the child. O faithless and perverse generation! How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Then we we can go on, and he heals the child." He rebukes the devil and heals the child. Let's see, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me just go on here. I was gonna skip down, but I'll just keep in reading. And Jesus rebuked the da- demon and it came out of him and the child was cured in that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said this, why could we not cast it out? It's a good question. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, If you got a Bible, underline that. I'm going to come back to that. Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, when I was reading this, uh, it was a couple months ago. And this has come up before, but I didn't feel pressed to study it. I remembered another passage prior to this where Jesus was was, uh, talking to the Pharisees and the disciples of John. So I want to just jump over there real quick into Mark chapter two. If we could go there, it's another part about fasting, right? We just found out that this kind of thing happens by prayer and fasting. So if we'll go to Mark two and we'll read 18 and 19. I'll tell you what, let's start in 13. That way we get the whole story. This is titled in my Bible. It's titled Matthew. Let's see. Let's see. Mark 2. Let's see. No, I was about to mess that up there. It's titled Jesus is questioned about fasting. Okay. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. This is very common. Just a little side note. Uh, I read up on it. Uh, common that they would do it uh, twice a week. Very Uh, Very common for them. The the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John, him being Jesus, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And this is Jesus' reply. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So Jesus' answer is not that fasting is bad, is it? No. His answer is, how can they fast while they're with me? But there will be a time in the future they will fast. We go back over to Matthew 17. Doesn't that make you kind of question, what did Jesus mean by this only comes out by prayer and fasting? Didn't he just earlier say that my disciples do not fast? Imagine if you're one of the disciples. And you're like, wait a minute. You told us not to fast. And you're saying by prayer and fasting, is how this will come out. So this is what I did. I looked up the two fastings. So if we look up the word for fast in Mark 2, we go work up, look up the word of fast in the Greek, because it's always good to, to, to look up the definition of. Um, I, heard, I heard this stated, and this is really good. You think about the, the New Testament is in Greek, right? It's in, it's in the Greek language. And a Greek language is actually not a Christian language. I mean, technically, uh, in Greece, they, they had a pagan religion. You know, they worshipped all these gods. So you think about it. Whenever you are getting into the word of God, you got to define the word and you got to get an understanding. Because they're just using a lot of times, especially, especially in the epistles, you know, you're, you're, he's defining, Paul's defining um, a Greek word. To help understand to the Greek people, to the people there, like especially like in Corinth or in, 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 in Ephesus. So here I always like to get an understanding. So so the Greek here for word for fasting is nastio. It's spelled N-E-S-T-E-U-O. And that's in Mark 2. And it means to abstain from food. That's pretty, that's pretty basic, isn't it? That's how we understand what fasting is, okay? Now, whenever you go to Matthew, I found out it's a different Greek word. This Greek word is nes-tia, N-E-S-T-E-I-A. And it has just a slightly different definition. The first word of definition is abstinence. And then it goes on, and then at the end of it, it does also refer to fasting. So it's not far from, and that's why they defined it as the same word. Now I also thought, well, you know what? Maybe this is how Matthew describes fasting, and this is how in, in the Book of Mark it's described fasting. But Matthew also uses that other word nasteio. He also uses it in Matthew. You could find it prior. So I found that there's something very important to this word. There's something very important. So, to, to, to study it very a, a lot deeper, what is abstinence? First, look it up. The practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. That's what abstinence means. The practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. Okay, that's a pretty good definition. You could say that's just like fasting. It's a practice of restraining oneself from indulging in food, right? But I want to go a little further here, and I want to, let's just see, what was Jesus doing? What was him and the three disciples doing before he came down and he told the disciples how to uh, rebuke that devil and get that child free? Let's go to Matthew 17, 1. Now, this is all laying a foundation of how to build a platform, how to create a platform for God to operate in. And it ties so well into what Pastor Ryan's been talking about in The Secret Place. It it ties so well with what the Lord has been talking to us. In Matthew 17, 1, it says, "...now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves." and he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as, as light and behold moses and elijah appeared to them talking with them with him then peter answered and said to jesus i like uh, i think it's in mark in the same story it said he, he out of his ignorance or out of his foolishness, he answered because he's answering out of the flesh here and said, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. But what happens while he was still speaking? Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came a, a, a voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him and disciples heard it and they fell on their face and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came, touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. When they have lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, that's when Jesus commanded them, said, don't tell anyone of this vision until the son of man has risen from the dead. And this is where we kind of catch up to where we were. So where was Jesus prior to this? He was was taking himself away from the people. He was in, you could say, that word abstinence. Abstinence from what? He was was pulling himself away to get into an intimate intimate place with the Father. He was drawing away. You think about it, you're like, well, isn't that what what Jesus did? He just went around and he prayed and he, he, he communed with the Father all the time. Yes, he did that. But if you read the word of God, especially you get into John, you see Jesus's heart and his desire and his compassion for us and the people. His desire was to be with the people and do his work. So it was even a pull for him to to pull away and get to a place with God. He was pulling himself away from being down there, socializing, being with his his family, his people. And he was getting into a place. And this is part of building a platform. This is part of it. And I wrote these three things down. These three, just three little things to build a platform, to start building a platform. There's going to be several things. This is going to have to go into next week because it's so deep. And we'll find a place to to, to, to cut off in here. But number one, a place, a physical place. Find a physical place. To get intimate with God. Find a physical place. Now, uh, years ago, my place was my workshop. Uh, a lot of times I would, I would do most of my work out, so the workshop did not have a task or anything. See, your physical place needs to be a place where there's not tasks to do to distract you. There's, there's not, say, there's not laundry to be folded or toys to be picked up, you know, because I'm talking about probably at your house. Or a door to fix. Oh, that squeaky door. Oh, I got to to go get the tools. Because that's what our flesh, that's what the devil will do. Will try to distract us with the place. So get into the place. I'll just tell you my place in this season. See, my place always changes no matter where I go. But my place right now, my physical place is, there's a room at the house. But there's also, through the week, there's a room back here. I found that physical place where I could shut the door and there's no distractions. And I can just pray and seek the Lord. Number two, the second thing is a place in time. These are really simple. A place in time. And what that means is what time of the day works for you. Now it can fluctuate. It can fluctuate in your life. Um, you know, used to, years ago, my time was at night. My time was is, is late in the evening. When the kids were in bed, it was at night. But as the kids got older, my time started to be more in the morning, early in the morning. So that's my time. The time that works best for me is early in the morning. I, I, I block that time out and say, this is between me and God. This is our time. No one's going to email me. Uh, most of the people in the States, they're asleep at that time. They're not going to email me or message me. And then if it's early enough in the morning, most of the people here would not email me or text me. So it's a time that I can block out for God. So number three, the third thing, the final thing, is a place mentally. A place mentally. There's, there is a physical place that you can go to to not be distracted. There is a time that you can go and not be distracted. But there's also a mental place that you go to not be distracted. And these all kind of tie together because I just said, you know, in the physical place, you don't want to have chores sitting there or something you have to get done. You want it to be a place where there's no distraction. But that's part of the mental place, too. I use this as an example. Um, in the morning, I said back here, I'll, I'll get in there. Monday morning, I came in, and, and there was a puddle on the floor in, in the uh, kitchen area. And I thought it was water, so I mopped it up. And I went about my day. But Tuesday morning, when I came in, it was sticky. I was like, oh, that wasn't water. That was like 7-Up or, 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 or a Sprite or something. I, I, need to, I need to clean that up. But my first activity is to go to that place and pray. That's my first activity. So I, I go in, I'll, I'll get that. So I, I go in and, and I start praying. And it is about 30, 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes or so. And then I just kind of, you know, a thought comes up. Oh, uh, Jason will be coming in soon. I don't want him to step on that. I need to go, I'll go take care of that right now and I'll get to back to prayer. I'll just, I'll just go get it out of my mind and get right back to prayer. And as soon as I walked to the door, I was interrupted. No, you haven't prayed through yet. Oh, no, no. Okay, 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 okay. So I go back to praying, and, in about, and about 20 minutes later, it rises up again. Oh, I'll just go take care of that right now, and I can pray while I do it. And then the Holy Spirit was like, no, you got to continue to pray through. And he was showing me something. I wasn't getting into that mental place. I wasn't removing that. So I finally realized, and I said, okay, I take that thought captive. I can do it later. Be gone in the name of Jesus. You have to get into a mental place because there's so many distractions. There's so many things that you got to do in the day, right? There's so many things we have to take care of, but there has to be a time in the day where you can have just mentally focus on the Lord. And these are the three things to help build the platform. Now, I want to go back. I want to go back to uh, uh, Matthew 17, where he is, where God talks to the disciples. All right, number five, 17.5. While he is still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came down out of the cloud, saying, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him." I tell you what, the, there was a presence up here this morning. It's still here, um, the glory of God was here. I, have you ever have you ever been in a service where the glory of God fell, and you're like, I don't know how I'm getting back to my seat? I mean, it'll happen. Just stick around. <laughs> it'll happen. I've been in those, those services where the presence of God was so strong. I was like, whoa, i got to get from here to there. And I hope I don't just tumble. I couldn't imagine coming down a mountain after the glory of God fell on me and a cloud came around me and God spoke to me. Could you imagine? Melvin, Melvin walks up in the mountains all the time. Could you imagine coming down? <laughs> coming down that mountain. He's like, be careful. Don't slip. I went up there one time with him in the, in the Mourn Mountains and he was like, be careful. Don't slip. I couldn't imagine the presence of God. That's just a little side note there. I just baffles me. That just blows me away. Like they had to come down the mountain after being in the presence of God. <sighs> All right, going on. And then the disciples heard him say that. He said, what did he say? He said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. So I I feel like it's very, very valuable when you hear God say, this is my son, hear him. Don't you think it's pretty valuable? What are the next words that will come out of Jesus' mouth? I better pay attention. And what does Jesus say next? Arise and do not be afraid. I think that's a very, very important thing to listen to. The next thing Jesus says is arise and do not be afraid. I just thought it would be very important to, I googled the opposite of afraid. And there's websites actually, I didn't know that. There's actual websites that they just do the opposite of words. So I found a a website that had opposite words. And so I wrote down several of the opposite words of afraid. And I found it very interesting because sometimes in order to find the definition of something, it's it's good to see the opposite of it. In In the opposite of afraid, here's some of the words. Unafraid, well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Brave, cur- uh, courageous, inapprehensive, intrepid, undaunted, undismayed, bold, fearless, unworried, cool, happy, dauntless, indifferent, valiant, confident, lion hearted, stout, unshakable, audacious, eager, unfearing, unflinching, composed, Gallant, venturesome, assured, gutsy, meddlesome, unshrinking, daring, gritty, stout hearted, unscarred, calm, dotty, plucky, unfrightened, not scared, stout hearted. So Jesus was saying, Arise, be brave, arise, be courageous, arise, be fearless, arise, be bold. Hallelujah. So I had you underline that word unbelief. And I just want to talk about that a little bit. Now that we see, see the story here, where did Jesus just come from? He just came from an intimate place with the father. He just came from a place where it was just, he was in the presence of God. He was in the presence of God, and there appeared Elijah, and there appeared Moses, and he was talking face to face with them. He's just come down from here, just came down from the mountain. And he said, oh, unbelieving, unbelieving generation, perverse, faithless generation, he says. There's something that he took down there with him I just want to talk about. And he's saying unbelief. There's something that he brought down there with him that caused him to be in full belief, in full faith. And that's boldness. That's fearlessness. That's unworry. He had a cool about him. He had a valiant about him. See, when, Jesus, when Moses came off the mountain, we can read about, he put a veil over his face because the glory of God from just talking face to face with God was so powerful, he didn't want to kill anybody but just looking at him. That's the glory that came down with Moses. This is who Jesus was even talking to. As Jesus comes down there in his intimacy with God, he's coming down, well, he's coming down with the glory, with a presence. That's what he's coming down with. Praise God. In Psalms 91, which we confess here often, Psalms 91, verse 4. I'm just going to go there. Psalms 91, verse 4. Praise the Lord. I mean, we know the first part of it. Let's just read the first part of it. I mean, it's so good. little side note. I don't know when you started confessing it here, if it's always been from the beginning here, or um, we, conf- we would confess it as we traveled. But in every, every New Year's Eve, Leanne and I would pray. We just pray about our direction. We just pray, "Lord, what is this year about? What is this year?" And, and you know, a lot of times we'll get this huge verse. I think in, as we're going into 18 into 19, uh, he gave us a verse. It was uh, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I think it's 43. Um, but it says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And it was just really cool. It's like, oh, wow, You're doing a new thing. You're going to make a, you know, a road in the wilderness and, and you know, bring rivers to dry places. Like, oh, wow, that's so cool. This is going to be a great year. It's going to be awesome. And then come uh, 19, going into 20, I got the year of no fear. I'm like, what is that? Where's the scripture? Where's that? And I'm praying. The year of no fear kept coming up. I'm like, Lord, that doesn't seem as cool as like last year. It was like, wow, that was really neat. And you, know, you, did, the, you did the 18, and verse, you know, verse 18 and 19. It was just like the year is really cool. What's this? What's the year of no fear, year of no fear. And then Psalms 91 just rose up in me. So Psalms 91 was my confession that whole year, which was, you know, did I know all this stuff in 2020 was going to happen? No, but God did it was so good. It was so good that he equipped me ahead of time to start praying this out that, you know, when you hear when you hear a word from the Lord, you have to process it through prayer. This is a good little side note. When you hear when you hear a prophetic word, someone speaks it over you or it rises up in you. It's a word from the Lord. It needs to be processed through prayer. Don't just automatically think it's going to happen. It needs to be prayed out. And in this situation right here, I was here in the year of no fear. I could have said, oh, cool. I'll just sit back and do nothing. But I was wise enough to know, oh, I better start praying. I better start praying because something the Lord's telling me it's a year of no fear. That means I've got to, I got to implement the word and I better get in a position where I have no fear. Because the first thing I thought of is, whoa, what's going to come? What's happening? And that's why I went straight to Psalms 91. Praise God. But I love Psalms 91. And that's why let's just start in verse one and go to four. He who dwells in the secret Place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. In this part right here, He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. In verse 4, it talks about feathers. Years ago, I, I didn't see this until uh, getting to know some friends that had chickens. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a chicken with the little chicks, or it, maybe there's other birds, but I know for sure with chickens. And you can Google it sometimes, actually. You could probably find those in videos pretty easy. But if you ever see a mother, a hen of a chicken, and she's got her little chicks with her, sometimes you'll, you'll look around and say, Well, where's the chicks? I remember going uh, to a friend's house and saying, I thought, you, I thought you just had chicks. Where's the chicks at? Are they in the, in the coop, you know? Are they in the house? They're like, no, they're right there. And I'm like, where? <laughs> I see the hen. Where's the chicks at? And he's like, no, they're, they're right there. They're under the feathers. And if you stay there long enough, you'll see a little chick pop out and we'll go back in. And you're like, what? Wait a minute, what? Like, they, they'll get underneath the feathers and you can't even see them and you don't even know they're there. You can't even see the little chicks. So when I read this, I see it. When he, when he bears us up underneath his wings, when he covers us up with feathers, this is just it. When Jesus was in that intimacy, in that intimate place, and this is, this is what we've, we've been talking about up here, that intimate place, what it gets you in, what it gets a platform for, is for God to cover you under his feathers. When Jesus came off that mountain, this is just the way I see it. You know, if Jesus is covered... By the feathers of God. When Jesus He said, I only do what I see my Father do. He's covered in those feathers and he comes off of there and he tells those people, the faithless, perverse generation, and then he brings that, he says, Bring that boy forth. Whenever he speaks to that demon, he speaks, and I'm just I'm just picturing feathers on his hand. He speaks, and that and that devil, that demon, that spirit saw God pointing, not Jesus pointing. When he spoke to him, come out, it was God speaking and commanding because Jesus was under the feathers of the almighty God. So whenever, whenever you say there, there was chicks there, my friend said, there's, there's chicks right there. All I could see was the hen. I could see the hen. So it's the same way. When we get into the intimate, intimacy with God, when we get into that place, what did I say it was? I said a physical place, a place in time and a mental place and spend time with him. It builds a platform. For us to operate and flow with God. So much so that whenever we get into that place with him, whatever we speak to, whatever we command, sees God. Because we're under the protection and we're under the feathers. Isn't that good? Praise God. Praise God. That's all about building this this platform. This platform to to speak on behalf of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me check my notes here. Hallelujah. And this is all, we're, we're going into building a platform, is operating, we, you know, we operating in God's fullness. You know, in the church, we do know how to get, I think we're about there, especially in, in a word of faith teaching. Uh, in, in, in our circles of teaching, we teach faith and we teach the word. And we sure do know how to get stuff to us, don't we? I can pray it and I can get it to me. I, can, I got a lot of scripture to stand on for those finances to get to me. I got a lot of scriptures to stand on for healing to get to me. I got a lot of scriptures to stand on for, for everything, for peace, for the joy of the Lord. I've got scriptures on everything to get to me. But God is trying to get through us. He's trying to get us to a place to get stuff through us. And that is important in this time. And that's why I, the Lord is directing me to speak on this subject. He's helping me along the way too. You know, he who waters gets water too. Whatever I, I study, whatever I prepare for Sunday, man, I'm getting blessed too. And I'm getting fired up for the things that he is speaking that's going to be happening through this church and through Dundalk. But part of this is getting this platform. We can't manifest the the, uh, gifts of the Spirit. We can't do that. But we sure can build a platform. We can build an atmosphere in our life, a place, a time, right? A mental place, a physical place, and a time for God to work in our life. Because I tell you, it's going to happen in private before it's going to happen out there. You're going to get it here in church or get it in your private time with God before you go out there because we've got to go out there with it, not just happening here. It's not it's not set up to just bless us, but it's set up for the gospel. It's set up to operate in the gifts of the spirit and operate in what he he his fullness of is for the gospel is for the kingdom. It's not in here to build us up and get stuff to us, but it's to get stuff through us. So it will start. It will start in that time, that intimate time with him that alone time with the father and something I will be talking on next week, but I just want to implement this because I'm, I'm kind of wrapping the first phase up, but this will be a little segue into, into next week. Cause I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about something. We already talked about afraid and the opposite afraid, right? Didn't we? Tons of words there. I mean, it gets me fired up reading those words. That's why I just had to read it for you because I love that. There's Hundreds of words here. I mean, maybe not a hundred. I don't know. It said read more and I didn't click it. I just took the first 30 or 40. But all these words that are the opposite of afraid that basically Jesus can say, be this, be stout, be valiant. But what I want to focus on is that word bold. And I want us to look at who Jesus was talking to in Matthew 17. I'm not there anymore, but I can talk about it. Who is Jesus up there talking to when he took disciples up there? He, took, he was talking to Moses and Elijah. Think about those two people. I just love this. And Jesus' next words was, do not be afraid. I just love who he was talking to up there. And I think this, this if you get to know who he was talking to up there, you get to understand what we're, our part is and what we're supposed to do. Think about Moses first. Moses, a nobody. What? Moses was a nobody, but he had this boldness rise up in him. He really was. He was a nobody. He wasn't a Pharisee or a great Bible scholar. He wasn't anything. I would dare to say he didn't even know the word. I mean, he was raised in a different culture. He wasn't raised in a Jewish culture. He was raised as a a prince, right? Right? But something rose up into him. There was a righteous boldness that my people, when I found out these are my people, they're being wrong. And he even tried to do it. He was so bold to try to do it in the flesh and it didn't work and he had to run off. God found Moses who wasn't anybody special, but he had a boldness in him. Look at Elijah. Elijah comes out of nowhere. I mean, there's no backstory on him. He comes out of nowhere, but what does he come with? He comes with some boldness. See, Jesus' first words for the disciples, when God said, listen to him, what did he say? He said, rise up and do not be afraid. What's the opposite of that? Rise up and be bold. God is asking us to step into some things. I'm feeling his presence right here as I'm speaking. He's asking us to step into some things, but we have to be bold just as, just as simple as me up here. I didn't want to cry as I, as I was as speaking in tongues. But the presence was so strong it came out because I was going to be bold enough to do that. That's, all, that's what he's asking. Be bold and I'll take care of the rest. Moses, nobody, but he was bold. Elijah, nobody, but he was bold. Be bold enough. And that's what we're going to talk about Next week, but this week I just needed to lay out to get into a place, a physical place, a place in time and a mental place. Get intimate with God, because that's where he's going to move in your life first, because he who is faithful in little is also faithful in much. He who is just in little is just in much. He's going to start us out in our prayer closet, in our time alone with him. And he's going to build on that. And boldness will come. And I want, to, I want to lead out here with a prayer because we can't pray for the manifestations. We can pray for boldness because He manifests as He wills. Of course, we can covet them. It says we can covet the gifts. But I want to pray for boldness in us. Boldness to step out in that platform. Boldness to step out when we hear, go talk to that person and tell them this and boldness to repeat. We need to be bold to step out. So I just want to pray for us as we go forward. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, your, 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 your people, your disciples, in the Word, we can, we can read that they prayed for more boldness. They said, hear their threats, O Lord. Increase our boldness. So, Father, you've called us. You've called us to step out and work in these gifts, to flow in these gifts. To, to to build a platform and an atmosphere that we're ready to receive from you. And Father, you require some boldness. Jesus, you said rise and do not be afraid. There's some boldness that we need to acquire. For our boldness is not very much, but your boldness, Father, is great. It is mighty. So Father, I just pray for everyone over in, in, that hears my voice and we agree together. Father, increase our boldness. Increase our boldness because it's for the kingdom. It's for stepping out. It's for stepping in and letting you work through, Father, stepping into the fullness of the sons and daughters. We want to step into the fullness thereof, the full measure, Father, of the true sons and daughters, the ones that all creation is standing on tiptoes to see. So, Father, we pray that you increase our boldness, increase us so that we, can, we, we will have the ability to step out. Father, thank you that as we make that small step, your boldness steps up with us. Your boldness, your, your boldness comes within us and gives us the strength. That grace, that grace, Father, is sufficient. That grace, that grace, that power, that changing grace rises up. That power changing grace rises up in us because it is it is from you, Father. You give us the power within. You give us the power to go. You give us the power to speak. We thank you, Father God, for boldness in our life. Thank you, Father God, for more boldness. And we glorify you and we thank you because it all comes from you. It all comes from you. Thank you, Father God, for calling us into your, into your church, into your people, to go and minister the gospel. Thank you for calling us into your kingdom to to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, and to be available for you to demonstrate. Thank you, Father God, through us. Oh, and we glorify you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie